Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Easy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me. We have another great show for you. Daily Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly comes on to talk about the Section 2 Football Super Bowls and preview the state football playoffs. ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman returns to the podcast, and we'll talk about a variety of subjects. Well, coming up Saturday at Union College's Frank Bailey Field, it's the annual Dutchman Shoes football game between Union and RPI. Union is the Liberty League champion and is defending the Shoes trophy. RPI will look to ruin Union's chances at an undefeated regular season. A press conference was held Wednesday at the Knott Memorial on the Union College campus. I spoke with several members of both teams. First up is Union head coach Jeff Behrman. Jeff, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, uh, Ken. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, last time we talked, it was before the season. Now, here we are, Dutchman Shoes time. And uh, how excited are you for the game on Saturday? Uh, it's, uh, it's very excited. You know, our players are excited, our coaches are excited, and school's excited. Our alums are excited. It's just it's that kind of game. Uh, uh, can you not be excited? Well, this year, it's sort of a role reversal. Last year, you guys went over there. RPI was the undefeated team. They had the Liberty League Championship this time around. You guys are undefeated, Liberty League champions, and they're going to try, hopefully, up to, for them, Pull, try to pull off an upset. What do you have to do to repeat uh, as a Dutchman sh- uh, Shoes champion and not uh, have the same fate that happened to RPI last year? I think just uh, stay within ourselves and play the play the game of football the way we play it um, and just uh, be who we are. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, certainly uh, the obvious things that we, that we try to hang our hat on are, are to be able to run the football on offense and uh, to be able to stop the run on defense and, and to not give up the big play on defense and play sound special teams. This game, obviously, it's for the Dutchman Shoes, but I think there's also a lot more involved because uh, you guys are going to the postseason with the NCAA tournament. How important is it you know, to win this game and hopefully for you guys get a home home game uh, next weekend? Uh, yeah, definitely important. Uh, I mean, the, the goal is this game. You know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to this game now, um, competing on Saturday against RPI. Um, and then uh, after that, really, it's out of our it's out of our hands, out of our control. Uh, the committee will determine where uh, where they want to where, where we'll play the following week. Yeah, you, know, you had you know, a tough game against Utah last week, but how much does that maybe get you guys ready for this week uh, with the last little league game of the year? I mean, every game's different. Um, I, I expected a, a tough game against Utica just based on on uh, on their personnel and the way that they play. Um, so last week did not shock me. Uh, I was I was disappointed in some of our execution throughout, but uh, it just allowed us to really look look at who we are and just makes a few adjustments here and there uh, so that we're ready for this Saturday. What is it on RPI that you see on film that impresses you? Uh, I think they're very well coached. Uh, they have very good personnel and they have excellent schemes uh, on both sides of the ball and in their special teams. Uh, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. A lot of different guys can make plays for them on offense and uh, you know they're they're, uh, they're a tremendous defense. I mean, they're, I think they're giving up something like 60 yards a game rushing. So, you know, they pretty much, they, they put an emphasis on stopping the run. 
how important it for you guys to, you know, with EK and the running backs, I mean, for your guys, I mean, how important is it to, you know, try to beat that uh, running defense? Well, I mean, certainly that's that's how we start every game plan uh, is is uh, how are we going to be able to run the ball effectively against this defense, their personnel, their schemes. Um, you know, we don't change what we do. Uh, we just look to find the best ways to do it, uh, to, to just keep it as simple as we can for our players so that they can execute up front and, and that way IK and, and Joe can find the holes and, and gain the yards. Jeff, appreciate it. Uh, good luck on Saturday. All right. Thanks, Ken. Up next is Union senior linebacker George Reed. George, thank you for coming on the Parting Shots podcast. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, last year, you know, this is sort of a role reversal this year. Last year, you guys went over there. The RPI was the undefeated team, Liberty League champions. You pulled off the upset to get the Dutchman shoes back to Union. This year, you, know, you guys are the undefeated team. And Liberty League champions and RPI is looking to come and get the shoes back. What's going to be the key to, uh, to prevent that from happening? Well, I think we just got to continue to do what we've done each and every week here, which is prepare hard starting uh, Sunday afternoon in meetings and kind of get a good, good game plan going and execute that game plan Tuesday and Wednesday during the practice week. And I've got to feel so far after Tuesday's practice that things are looking pretty solid and excited to play in this game Saturday. What did it mean to get the shoes back? Uh, it meant everything. It meant everything to the seniors last year, to alumni, uh, to guys back, you know, to our peers back here at Union. And uh, it's something we hadn't done in a little while before that. I mean, I, I know personally I had lost four of those games or three of those games prior to that game. So it was nice to get them back and, and hold the hold the old wooden clogs again. So, For you guys, not only is Dustin Shoes on the line here, but maybe possible home game for the NCAA playoffs. I mean, is that in the back of your mind right now, or are you just focused on what's going on Saturday? I uh, definitely think it's in the back of our minds. I mean, I think last week against Utica, you know, we had just played in the Liberty League Championship against Ithaca prior to that, so you could kind of say that was a trap game, but we had that, you know, the seeding always in mind, and then this week, I think the number one priority is the shoes and really the rivalry and the, the history behind this game, and always you got to keep in mind the NCAA tournament is on the horizon, but we're focused on beating RPI first. What's going to be the key to beat RPI? Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be the same thing as last year, a strong defensive effort. I mean, I have confidence in our offense that we're going to go out and, you know, do what we do offensively. I just think we have to, you know, combat the different schemes and things that they present us with because um, they have a pretty intricate offense over there. And I think that if we prepare accordingly, I think we should be all right. Appreciate your thoughts on the game. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Finally, Union senior wide receiver Griffin Beal. Griffin, uh, thanks for coming on the Party Shots podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a little bit of a role reversal this year for this Dutchman Shoes game. Uh, last year, RPI was the undefeated team, Liberty League champions. You guys go over there and pull off the upset. This time around, they're looking to pull off the upset because you guys are Liberty League champions and undefeated. What's going to be the key to, to uh, prevent that from happening on Saturday? I think it's going to come down to love what we do every week, uh, preparation, focus, uh, executing in practice. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge game for us, and we know the implications. We understand what happened last year, and we know they definitely have a bad taste in their mouth, and they're definitely out to get us, and we're just, re- we're just ready for it. We're, we're prepared and we're ready to take on that challenge. You guys had a um, non-league game against Utica last Saturday. It was a tough game. You guys pulled it out 13-7. I mean, does that sort of wake you up, guys, a little bit? The fact that maybe you guys got to keep your focus, even though you have you did win the Liberty League title. Oh, def- yeah. This past game was definitely a wake-up call for us. Uh, I mean, 
Some some aspects of the game we didn't execute as well as we uh, hoped, and uh, it kind of showed in practice. Uh, focus was a little lacking last week, so we've been talking to the guys about it. You know, this is a huge week. We got to bring it bring it together, and you know, this is a team where you can't have a bad week of practice because they'll capitalize on it. So we really got to bring it this week. Obviously, the Dutchman Shoes Trophy is on the line for this game, but for Union, a lot more is at stake here. You win, you probably get a chance to host an NCAA tournament game uh, next weekend. Is that in the back of the team's mind uh, right now? Uh, it's way back there in the back of the mind. We're really focused on RPI this week and just RPI. Uh, I know the selection is Sunday, uh, and we'll be watching that, but our, our big focus is uh, Saturday. Griffin, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. Shout RPI. Let's start with head coach Ralph Isernia. Alpha, thanks for coming on the Parting Shots podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. A little bit of a role reversal this year for the Dustman Shoes games. Last year, you guys were the undefeated team, the Liberty League champion. Union comes over, knocks you guys off. This year, Union's the Liberty League champion, undefeated. Can you uh, pull off the uh, role reversal and uh, get the Dutchman Shoes back to RPI? Well, it's 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 going to be a going to be a tall task. Um, you know, we're looking at the the best team in the Liberty League and a team that. Um, Quite frankly, they don't uh, they don't make a whole lot of mistakes. Uh, they they play hard on both sides of football. Uh, they they play well on special teams where they play with uh, you know great field position. Uh, they run the ball with effectiveness. They've got the best running back in the league. They've got uh, best uh, wide receiver in the league, um, and they've got a quarterback that is deadly accurate with the football. So that's a, kind of a tough combination right there on the offensive side. Defensively, they run to the football. Uh, they make ton of plays. They create turnovers. Create havoc. Uh, in the backfield so they're probably the most uh, complete team that we've seen no, not probably but they are the most complete team that we've seen uh, to date I mean, does that surprise you I mean what they did last year I mean when the job Jeff has done taking over this program does that surprise you at all no, coach does it the right way. He recruits the right types of guys. Um, they're tremendously well coached. They're prepared when they come into the games. Um, they've got a really good coaching staff that, that gets the kids prepared. And uh, you know, you have you have kids with a similar type of mindset where they're you know they're going to grind it. They're going to work hard for you uh, and get give everything they 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 got on the field. But uh, you know, uh, one of the things that I've seen you know since uh, since Jeff's been here is, is you know he came in and he had to rebuild the program. It's nothing different than you know what I had to do back in 2013 when we came to to RPI and you know you get the right people in the program the right young people you develop them um, you, you coach them hard uh, and you know then you just let them you know be who they are and that's uh, that's exactly it's 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 nice to see and nice to see that the formula works not only at RPI but also at other places what will it take for your team to uh, win this game on Saturday uh, it's going to take. It's the game's going to come down to field position, turnovers, and line of scrimmage. You have to win those three phases. Um, they've been a team that doesn't turn the football over. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They force their opponent into making mistakes, and that's that's a trap that we cannot fall into. It's 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 going to take um, you know all three phases. Uh, you've got to win all three phases uh, against them. And um, so far, uh, when we watch them on film, no one has been able to kind of crack that code yet. You know because they're undefeated, uh, but there have been some, some, uh, you know, there have been some things where, you know, if they're not playing the perfect, uh, their perfect game and everything, they go back to their old reliables. They go back to what they do the best. Uh, they know themselves uh, very well, and and they execute at a high level. We appreciate you coming on, and good luck Saturday. Thank you. Finally, quarterback and Gildeland High School graduate George Marinopoulos. George, uh, welcome to the Parting Shots podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. 
Well, sort of a role reversal this year for this Dutchman Shoes game. Last year, you guys were undefeated Liberty League champions. The Union comes over and beats you guys. This year, it's on the other shoes, and the Dutchman Shoes on the other foot, I guess you can say, where Union's undefeated Liberty League champions, and you guys are trying to pull off the upset. What's going to, what's going to be the key for you guys to do that? Uh, we just got to continue to have a good week of practice this week. Uh, yesterday, we had a good start to the week. Just got to keep that going these next couple days, and once Saturday comes, just got to go out there, execute our game plan, play within ourselves, and play well. How tough was last year to lose the shoes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, never fun losing a rivalry game, um, but thankfully we had the opportunity for more football after that, and we were able to bounce back well the next week and the next few weeks. I think we talked last year, because you're from uh, Slingerlands, you went to Guildland High School. What does this rivalry mean to you? Because growing up in this area, what does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely cool being a local kid, being able to play in this game. Um, I remember my senior year of high school, I went to the RPI Union game at RPI with my dad. So definitely um, have seen it. Uh, seen it on the news for a good amount of years so definitely cool to be a part of it now what's it going to take to uh, beat union on saturday yep. we got to definitely follow our game plan be disciplined to execute uh they're a great football team a lot of playmakers on both sides of the ball so um just got to go out there and execute and have a good game is that gonna make your season if you do it <laughs> no comment no comment you can, you, that's up to you you can say that but for us we're just trying to go out there win every game that we play I like the fact you just smiled and paused and let me have dead air for a couple minutes <laughs> seconds there. George appreciate you coming on the podcast thank you thank you for having me the Dutchman Shoes game starts at noon on Saturday coming up I'll speak with Gazette sports editor Mike Kelly on the high school football postseason you're listening to the Parting Shots podcast available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Hi, this is Hunter Moffat, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes. Notable Trophy Case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app and the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Get it today. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, the Section 2 football Super Bowls were played last weekend, and five teams begin their journey on the road to the Carrier Dome. Here to talk about what went down last weekend is Daily Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly, fresh off of his victory tour and predicting which teams would play in the Class B Championship. Mike, welcome. Kenny, thanks for having me. <laughs> so you were right about the Holy Trinity and Skylerville uh, meeting. Uh, let's talk about that matchup first. I mean, Skylerville pulls, pulls off a stunning 28-22 win over Holy Trinity on a Kyle Burnham touchdown with no time left on the clock. Probably fitting way to end the Class B because the way the whole playoffs bracket set up with uh, uh, Shalmont winning over Holy Trinity in the final week of the regular season. And then the road teams end up winning uh, in the semifinals in Holy Trinity and Skylar Bowl. Uh, and then we end up with a classic game here on uh, in the championship. Yeah, it was our one fun bracket. 
because <laughs> um, I mean, really, outside of in Double A, you get and beating Shaker in, in that semi. Um, besides that, it was pretty much you know everything that we expected, uh, except in Class B, where yeah, I mean, there was uh, a couple great semifinals, a final that uh, you know I think surprised some people, including myself. I would have thought Holy Trinity would win that game, and you know if you looked at the the five Super Bowls. If you had told me that one of them was going to, you know, be a, you know, a relative blowout, I would have said, oh, like, holy Trinity's probably going to win by a lot of that Class B Super Bowl. So I was very wrong about that, even though, yes, I did pick the teams correctly to be there. Um, Schuylerville, though, you know, John Bowen does a great job every year. Um, picking against him is uh, is foolish, which uh, which I am. Um, you know, and the, that team, you know, they're one of those programs that every year they just seem to get better every week. And sometimes you can take that for granted, which I think a lot of people, myself included, probably did with them. Do you think Holy Trinity maybe took them for granted? Because, I mean, they played a tight one with Shamont in the semifinal. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. I, th- I think Skyville is just – I mean, they're – as a program, they, you know, they get up for these big games. They're always going to be prepared. Um, you know, if anything, I think Holy Trinity, you know, maybe had a lot taken out of them by, you know, not just, you know, by, by beating Glens Falls, but kind of the emotion of that game. I was at that game. Holy Trinity stayed on that Glens Falls field for, you know, 30, 45 minutes after that game celebrating because it, it did feel like a championship win that, you know, I don't know if it's that they took Skyville lightly, but you do wonder maybe how much they had left over after, you know, for a lot of those kids, you know, playing the game of their life the week before. And we're talking 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. It's, you know, they feel great about winning and they probably just, yeah, we're so excited about that. They probably just forgot that they had one more game to play. Yeah, fifteen. You know, you said you said the ages. You never know what you're yeah. going to get. I, I I wouldn't take anything away though from Scottsdale because I think, um, you know, they're it's a it's a program that's had a lot of success in the last decade. Um, you know, I think some of that pedigree showed up for them uh, on Saturday. Well, Scottsdale will get to face the Potsdam. I like this nickname here, Sandstoners. Is that, is that a real one? That's a real one. Sandstoners. <laughs> I would kid you not. I would not. <laughs> All right. Well, no <laughs> offense. No offense to Skylerville, but I, I know who I'm rooting for in that game and to go win the state championship, and it would be the uh, the, the Sandstoners. The Sandstoners. Yes. Okay. So, so it seemed like a name out of the Flintstones. Yeah. Yeah. I hope. Mr. I'm, Slate's the coach. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm rooting for him. <laughs> Let's go to Class AA where Shen, uh, Shen Ho showed off its strength by scoring 21 fourth quarter points to pull away from uh, Gillen 35-7. I mean, that, I guess we could see that coming because uh, this you know, Gillen, you know, great season, all that up. But Shen's, just, I think, was too strong. Yeah, you know, when we were talking about Schuylerville a minute ago, I, w- I was thinking Schuylerville and Shen, I think, are the two teams this year that you can really look at and say they got better every week. Um, I think Shen's playing at, I mean, a super high level. Um, they do, you know, pretty much everything right. They know who they are. Um, you know, they're, they're playing Pine Bush uh, coming up this week. I, I would expect them to win that game. It, you know, I, I think when they get to the state semis and you're really going to see, you know, what level of team this is this year. Um, so I, I don't know if they're quite state championship caliber yet. Um, but I, I think they do get to the state semis and then, you know, let's see how good this team is. Yeah. Uh, what is it about, you mentioned the fact that, you know, they get better each week, uh, you know, the quarterback situation. I mean, they, they put a new quarterback in and just went on a, a roll after that. Yeah. I, you know, and Brody Vincenzi has been, I mean, he's been very good for them. They don't pass the ball a ton. 
Um, but he helps their running game with his blocking and, and he is a capable passer. I, I just think that they're, they're very physical up front um, on both sides of the ball. The big thing for them is, you know, a, a few weeks into the year, you know, they lost a shaker in week two. They kind of came out of that, you know, thinking it turns out incorrectly, we're going to have to see shaker. again. <laughs> so we've got to come up with something. And what they came up with was they don't have a lot of kids starting on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, and in some ways they maybe give up some things because they don't necessarily have, you know, their 11 best defenders and their 11 best offensive players on the field, but they've got fresh kids and they take advantage of that depth, which yeah. you're Shenandoah, you take big, advantage of depth. Right. You got a big, <laughs> big school like that. You have to, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's you know, a lot of schools, small schools, which they could have that kind of, kind of depth. Sure. And, you know, even with these class AA schools, you know, uh, you have 22 starters, but it's probably, you know, 13, 14 kids for most of these schools. Um, you know, I, I don't quite know the breakdown at Shenandoah of how many, you know, one-way starters there are, but it's pretty significant. And I think that matters a lot for them, not only for the depth in the games, but also just to practice those kids that, you know, if you're on defense, you practice defense. You're not practicing defense and offense mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yeah, so the game you covered last Friday, uh, Stillwater won its first Section 2 title when to beat Cambridge Salem 20 no- 21 to nothing in the uh, Class C title game. It seemed like Stillwater was not going to be denied to win that championship. Yeah, you know, there were, um, you know, prize, some close calls early in that game where, you know, Cambridge could have made it more competitive than it turned out to be. Um, but every time Stillwater, you know, they answered the bell. Um, and, and, you know, really with the exception of their semifinal against Greenwich, which was, you know, pretty back and forth and pretty competitive, um, you know, for the last four or five weeks, I think Stillwater has been pretty overwhelming in that classification for around here. Um, so, so not surprised that they won. It was surprising to see, uh, you know, Cambridge Salem get shot out just with, you know, what that program does year after year. But I think that speaks to how strong that Stillwater team is. You wrote a story uh, in Saturday Gazette. It's still online at dailygazette.com. You wrote about uh, running back and linebacker Luke Lesko. He tore his MCL and meniscus in his right knee in week three. There were some doubts that he would come back, but he, he was back. He scored a touchdown in that game on Friday. Yeah, so he came back uh, week seven. You know, I, I think he was only playing defense at that point, and then he's kind of gradually built up to where now he's he's uh, playing offense and defense. Um, you know, just a super underrated kid. Um, especially defensively, he kind of gives them a, a, an edge um, just with his ability to rush the passer and also be able to play in coverage from his from his linebacker spot. Um, you know, and they're a team that, you know, they've got, I mean, a bunch of stars with, you know, Mason Seymour, James Galarno, Brian McNeil on defense. Um, and then you add kind of a kid like that back into the mix. So that's a team that, you know, they were awesome through six weeks. And then in week seven, they get back this kid who's, you know, another star for them. He's going to need still need surgery once the season's over. Yeah, and, so. he, and he, I mean, he was hobbling after that game. He actually got kind of banged up, you could tell, in the first half, had to come out for a bit, um, you know, and he was kind of just saying after the game, like, you know, there's going to be some discomfort. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's not uh, – the damage is already done, so it's just a matter of whether or not he's able to play through it. And, and to this point for a few weeks, he's been able to, you know, kind of withstand that pain and, and been able to be a big contributor for them. Well, two undefeated teams will meet in the first round of the uh, Class C uh, state playoffs as uh, 10-0 Stillwater faces 9-0 Gouverneur. Yeah, I'm not going to try to say that one, but still, <laughs> I've, driven, I've driven, driven through Gouverneur many times on my way to Clark. Stillwater and its day. opponent. <laughs> um, yeah, and they play Friday at Mahonison. Um, you know, I, I think this is one that, you know, Stillwater, 
you know, they've never been to this point, obviously. It was their first sectional win. Um, be interesting to see, you know, we talked about Holy Trinity maybe not having, you know, a ton left in the tank after a huge semifinal win. Um, you wonder about that with Stillwater, um, just with, you know, for them winning the Section 2 Super Bowl was, you know, that was the real goal. Now they have to kind of reset mentally. Um, so it'll be interesting how they come out Friday. I would expect that them to win if, if they're, you know, 100% there mentally. Um, but that's that's tough to, you know, kind of get refocused after such a such a high the week before. On last Saturday, the A-Files saw Queensbury uh, beat Troy 13-7. to Queensbury won its first section title since 2014 and fifth overall. Yeah, now, I mean, Queensbury now goes uh, against a Cornwall team that, uh, you know, Cornwall or Queensbury is probably the lone section two team this upcoming week that isn't favored. Um, Cornwall is ranked number one in the state. They're awesome. <laughs> um, so it's a movie battle. That, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, the, the rest of our, our Section 2 teams look pretty good to get to the semis. Queensbury, uh, which is the, the lone game that happens this Saturday here coming up, that's probably the, the toughest one for Section 2 to, to get somebody to the next yeah. round. And Class 2 will mention them. Uh, Warrensburg won the uh, D title with a 28-18 win over Chatham. And Warrensburg is going to play Mariah on Friday. Yeah, Warrensburg, you know, they're kind of similar to uh, to Stillwater in that they, they really know who they are and what they can do, and they don't try to get, fa- you know, overly fancy with it. Um, you know, they they had some they have the experience from last year. Um, you know, I, I would expect them maybe to have a shot to, to make a real run here. Well, Mike, appreciate a few minutes talking high school football. We'll do it again uh, before the end of the season, hopefully. Sounds good. Thanks, Manny. Right. That's Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. Up next is ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman as we go around the sports world. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, pro football fans. It's time again to match which with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Game, sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, go to dailygazette.com football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week, and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Game, sponsored by River Sportsbook, at dailygazette.com football. Welcome back to the Pawnee Shots Podcast. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Joining me now is ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman, host of Freddie and Fitzsimmons weeknights from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. on ESPN Radio. Freddie, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Uh, how are things going with you? Uh, things are well, Ken. How about you, my friend? I'm, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just want to say it was great to finally meet you uh, last month at the uh, Coaches vs. Cancer Basketball in Albany, uh, you know, we you know, we chatted several times, we tweets and text messages and all that stuff. But finally, get to meet you in person it was, a, it was a blast. Yeah, it was a blast for me too, especially when it's been a mutual admiration society between the both of us. So that was pretty cool, even if it was for a brief moment with so much going on that night for the wonderful event as Coach versus Cancer. So the honor was all mine, my friend. Oh, appreciate it, Freddie. Well, let's uh, shoot on, on some topics here. Uh, let's start with the Don Cherry situation up in Canada. Uh, an icon on Hockey Night in Canada for years, and, and of course he's been known to say some things that they aren't really the best. And then uh, he comes out with the with the Poppy Remembrance Day, and when I think when he starts the sentence with "you people," it, it's not going to end well. 
Yeah, you know what it is with Don Cherry? You make a great point, Ken, in terms of when he says you people, and you should know better with your words, but they knew exactly what he has been about for the past 40 years with the Coach's Corner, Cherry's Corner, part of Hockey Night in Canada. So I wonder why at this time was that the hill they decided to push him off of to say we're going to move on from Don Cherry. He has said some terrible, terrible things over the years about European hockey players, about players of minority persuasion trying to play in the National Hockey League, and he says, I was joking, I'm going to be honest. But they picked this time and now to say, you know, we've had enough of Don Cherry. I'm wondering why it took so long for any organization that has employed him, especially Hockey Night in Canada, to say, we've had enough of Don Cherry, when he said a lot of things along those lines that a lot of people did not agree with or a lot of people that felt that was really insensitive to anybody out there that loves National Hockey League, especially in the great country of Canada. It wouldn't surprise me if there was some uh, sponsor pressure uh, on um, Sportsnet to make this move. Well, you know what it is? It reminded me so much of the Don Imus situation when he made those disparaging comments about the Rutgers women's basketball team. And I remember being on the air that night, Ken, and somebody asked the question, is Don Imus going to get fired? And I said, well, I don't think so because he made a lot of money for that company. And he said a lot of things like that before. I said, now sponsors start pulling out. Then we have a different conversation. And come Monday, Procter & Gamble, a bunch of other sponsors pulled out. And then Infinity Broadcasting, they were really all of a sudden agreed to what Don Imus had to say when he, they didn't say anything. He was making them a lot of money. Don Cherry had been a very colorful Canada, and they did not mind him representing Hockey Night in Canada or saying those things. But it gets to the point that somebody believes that if a sponsor is going to pull money away, that usually turns out to be the deciding factor. Can't they're going to decide to keep you, or they decide to move on and go with somebody else? Yeah, it was just a, yeah. Like I said, Don Cherry has been an institution up there for years, but and, you, and as you said, he's uh, disparaged players from Europe and disparaged. Uh, He's just, it's just, 85 years old, maybe it was time for him to go out and be retired anyway. But I think Ron McClain's got to be holding, his co host got to be holding health responsible too, although he did apologize the next night. But still, I mean, he, he's been there too, and I think he sort of cringed at something. But he didn't say anything Saturday night, which was very disappointing. Yeah, it was. And you know why? Because he gave it a thumbs up because he thought it was very entertaining. And I wonder how much somebody said, dude, I can't believe you went along with this, and he probably was worried more for his employment and his security with that company. So I wonder how much of that apology was really real from him, or if it's just one of the things that he felt he needed to say to maybe save his existence, to make sure he kept his job being part of Hockey Night in Canada, because it seemed like, and I've seen the video as well, Ken, it seemed like he was clearly on board and enjoying the kind of hijinks that Don Cherry once again was bringing to the table, part of Cherry's Corner, which had been a fabric of Hockey Night in Canada for decades. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the uh, Jets and Giants this past Sunday. I mean, two NF teams actually produced a great, uh, compelling game. The Jets ended up winning the MetLife Stadium Bowl 34-27. Yeah, how, important, <laughs> how important was this win for the Jets, especially coming off that embarrassing loss the previous week against uh, uh, previously winless uh, Miami? Well, a lot of people say it was important for Adam Gase. Personally, Ken, I thought it was important for the players to have belief in themselves. They've gone out and made a great show to say that we support our coach, even at times when he has not supported them. And he has been a kind of a mad scientist where everything seems to go wrong. His laboratory with the experiments trying to make this work with the New York Jets. So I thought it was more important for the Jets players because if you're Adam Gates, you have to realize you can't be the adversary of the guys you're going to need to be a better football team or for you to keep your job as a head coach. 
as for the Giants, Freddie, I mean, they're already, already a team in transition. They've moved away from Eli Manning as a starting quarterback to Daniel Jones. I mean, Jones has had his moments, but now Saquon Barkley's health is an issue with his neck. I mean, what's the state of this organization? That's a very good question, and I think the answer to that is it all depends on what Dave Gettleman is going to do, because whatever he's been able to sell the Giants management, they have clearly bought that from him. And he has been very arrogant. He has been very distant. He has been very high and mighty about his supposed accomplishments before he became the Giants GM. Well, if you're going to have that bill of sale, somebody's going to want to return on their investment. And I've, I've seen this too many times where if things aren't working well for you as a general manager, it's very easy to move on from players. It's very easy to move on from the coach. But that's inevitable that at a certain point they're going to come for you. And the New York Giants wanted this. They wanted the anti-Jerry Reese. Well, they, now they got it, and they're further back than when they were with Jerry Reese at the end of his tenure with the New York Giants. So I think that's where we are. And if you're Pat Shermer, if you're not able to get this turned around, do not be surprised if Dave Gettleman says, well, I better move on from him before they come from me, and then I'm out of a job as general manager of the Giants. Do you think Shermer gets fired at the end of the season if they don't win another game? <laughs> Boy, I, I want to say no because the Giants organization has shown patience. With coaches, they did that with Tom Coughlin. They did that with Jim Fossil. But I've also seen that if the fans start turning on their coach, and this happened with Ray Hanley, that they will make that kind of move. So if that happens, if they don't win another game, and they clearly believe they're not going in the right direction, and it seems like that Pat Sherman's lost the football team, they'll be looking for another coach if they don't win another game the rest of this season. Let's move on to some other NFL news. It was announced Tuesday that the league's going to hold a workout for former, former uh, 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick on Saturday in Atlanta. I mean, this announcement seemed to come out of nowhere, and, I mean, he hasn't played in three years. I mean, it's obvious he's been blackballed for kneeling uh, during the playing of the National Anthem. What do you think the league is doing? Why do you think he's doing this, and uh, are the teams interested in him? Trying to close the book on Colin Kaepernick because the NFL clearly knows that they kept this guy out of the league, no matter what owner, what general manager, even coaches. They made him that pariah when it came to that whole thing with the NFL and the National Anthem and people protesting the National Anthem. You have Eric Reed, a Pro Bowl safety, and he's back in the National Football League, and he was kneeling. You got Michael Bennett, all pro defensive end. He did the same thing. He's back in the National Football League. They zoned in on the guy that they believe could not defend himself, but they did not realize how much support he was going to get inside and outside the National Football League. This is an NFL ploy, in my opinion, Ken, to say, okay, we gave Colin Kaepernick what we thought was a reasonable shot to get back in the NFL. We don't believe he has the tools to be a backup quarterback. They want to close the book on Colin Kaepernick, and the best way to do that is, if you're the NFL, is to get ahead of that. You set this up, and you have this on your own terms in Atlanta. Where if a team wants to go there, they can. If a team does not want to go there, they're not forced to go there. That's that's all this is in the National Football League. They know they committed a wrong against a player in Colin Kaepernick, blackballing him and keeping him out of the NFL. This is their way of trying to say, that, look, we wanted to give him an opportunity. It didn't work out, and now we can move up on Colin Kaepernick. I don't think it's anything more than that regarding this whole audition or re-audition for him to get back in the National Football League. Yeah, it seems like the teams there's teams that have had quarterbacks problems and they could have signed Colin Kaepernick, but they choose not to. So, to me, I think it's a sham as well. Yeah, and you know what it is, because nothing against Matt Moore. Matt Moore was scouting for the Miami Dolphins, and the Kansas City Chiefs called him before they called the guy Colin Kaepernick. And that's not to disparage Matt Moore, who's been really good playing that backup role and being a nice fail-safe when Patrick Mahomes got hurt for the Kansas City Chiefs. But you can't tell me that there's 64 better quarterbacks or 96 better quarterbacks that are playing in the NFL right now, either second or third stringers, more than a guy that led his team to a Super Bowl on playoff games 
Let's move over to the NBA and the dysfunctional organization known as the New York Knicks. Um, yeah, oh, after, after losing to Cleveland Sunday, I mean, Knicks president Steve Mills and general manager Scott Perry held a press conference to express their disappointment in the team start. But they said Coach David Fisdale is not in danger of being fired. Of course, then they lose Tuesday to the Bulls. And then ex-Nick Chris Porzingis is coming to town Thursday with the Dallas Mavericks. Seems like an ugly situation for the Knicks, and it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better, uh, better anytime soon. I mean, how bad is this organization? Well, this organization has been like this for a long time, and we can place all of this at the feet of James Dolan, and can you be exactly correct? But I'm still trying to figure out how Steve Mills continues to have that kind of insight, that kind of say in this organization, where he has the ear of James Dolan. James Dolan treats him as if he's Dr. James Naismith, who invented the game of basketball. And all Steve Mills has done to show that he is going to save himself at the expense of other people. He's done it plenty and plenty of times during his tenure, whatever he is, president, chief operating officer, whatever he is in charge of the New York Knicks. When is James Dolan or when does anybody get next to James Dolan and say, the problem with this organization, you have to start clearing out the stench. And he's a big part of that stench. And we know James Dolan is not going to sell the basketball team unless somebody wilds him with an offer and he wants to get out of the basketball business. But the New York Knicks make way too much money for him to say, just walk away from that. He's not going to do that. But why does Steve Mills continue to have that kind of power, say, in the organization when everything has been a, a complete failure under his watch? And if you're Scott Perry, if he's going to come after David Fisdale and you're going to go along with it, at a certain point, he's going to come after you and he's going to move aside from you. So why does Scott continue to be that guy in charge of a lot of decision-making with the New York Knicks? It's just mind-boggling to me. But the only person that can answer those questions are, is James Dolan. And right now, he's not saying anything because he has put a lot of trust, trust and a complete total trust in a guy, Steve Mills, who, in my opinion, has done nothing to earn and deserve that with the New York Knicks. Yeah. College football Saturday, uh, we saw LSU go to Tuscaloosa and uh, beat Alabama. You know, the Tigers are now the top team in the uh, college football playoff. I, I love Ed Ogeron, the coach of LSU. He's not your typical coach, not out of central casting. Gruff voice, sounds like he smoked three packs of cigarettes uh, before he gets interviewed. But just talk about the job he's done there at LSU and getting him to the top. I'm really happy for Coach Ogeron for two reasons. Number one, I thought he got screwed when he was an interim coach at USC. Led them to a 6-2 and two record. Had them playing extremely terrific football. A graduate of that school. And they decided to move on from him and bring in Steve Sarkeesian. And we saw how that ended up for USC football. Where they could be on their third coach after Steve Sarkeesian. When they moved on from Ed Orgeron. So I'm glad of that for him for number one for that reason. But number two, many people wonder if he was the right coach at LSU. And could he bring that program to where Alabama was. Or where Florida had been under Urban Meyer. Where George is hoping to be with Kirby Smart. And I said, he's the perfect coach at LSU. And everybody so he can't beat Nick Saban. Well, who's been beating Nick Saban a lot in the SEC? Practically nobody. So I thought that was one of those kind of situations where they wanted to look for a reason, move on from him. And they were using different different markers in an unfair way to him. So I was really glad that not only they won that game, but he was able to adjust his program to say, we got a quarterback that we believe in, Joe Burrow. How can we maximize him? So he brings in Joe Brady, who's the offensive consultant with the New Orleans Saints, and look what he's done for that offense and that football team, the perception of LSU football. So I'm really happy that Coach Orgeron not only won that game so they could be a close to the number one team, but because so many doubters were doubting him at Alabama. I mean, Coach at USC is an interim head coach, and they doubt him before they played against Alabama. He's been able to cure that and quell that for more than a minute right now. Some explosive baseball news uh, came out on Tuesday with the allegation that the Houston Astros are cheating, uh, stealing signs off uh, video. 
Which begs the question, if they're cheating, how did they have to lose four games at home in the World Series? Well, because somebody found the camera, they couldn't use it anymore, number one. That's the, my explanation with that one, Ken. But number two, who knew that the Houston Astros would get in touch with the inner New England Patriots and have their own kind of spy gate? Now, if you're the Astros, you know that's going to be difficult to prove because it happened two years ago during your championship run. You really need somebody who has the inner workings of that organization and has actual evidence and turn that against the Houston Astros. Good luck with Major League Baseball, the Astros, in their investigation. But I firmly believe plenty of people knew this was going on, whether it's a general manager, whether it's other people in the organization. You don't just have this happening and only the players or allegedly the manager and the coaches know about this. I believe more people allegedly knew about this, that this was going on, the Houston Astros, during that run of 2017. And who's to say, Ken, they weren't still doing it in 2018 or in 2019. So it's going to be very interesting to me how Major League Baseball goes about their investigation and how much they're going to try to open things up to try to get to the bottom of this and get to the truth. Because if we heard about this now, there are more layers to this story that are going to become prevalent and going to become more known. And then it'll be very interesting how the Houston Astros try to explain that away, especially somebody knows something and may decide to tell it outside of Mike Fires, who did that when he left the Houston Astros. Well, the cheating allegations aside, the fact we saw a championship series decided where no games were won by the home team, is that still, I mean, still, that's still shocking and stunning to me. It's still mind-boggling because the Nationals earned that victory, and they were behind in every game they won in the World Series and winning all those elimination games. But you would think a team of the ilk of the Houston Nationals would have found a way to get that done. But I think... I think we're missing the point here in terms of we're not giving the Washington Nationals enough credit. This team was fighting for their playoff lives in September. This team was fighting for their manager's life in May when they were 19-31, and 31, and many people believe that Dave Martinez was not going to last past June. They were able to find their way past that. So I think we need to give more credit to the Nationals that they not only found a way to win, but did it in that way. We're overcoming each and every odd or odds of a thrown against them to find a way to win a world championship. Finally, uh, some more baseball news. The Mets uh, once again go for an, an, uh, an inexperienced manager with the hiring of Carlos Beltran. But how is this going to be different from uh, Mickey Calloway? Is because Carlos Beltran's 20 years of Major League playing experience. Well, that's one, number one. And number two, he's the perfect kind of guy in that clubhouse that can relate to the modern-day player because he's in the clubhouse with those modern-day players when he was a member of the Houston Astros and New York Yankees toward the end of his career. The New York Mets wanted somebody that's very knowledgeable about baseball. I don't think there's any doubt about that with Carlos Beltran. He is very knowledgeable about the game of baseball. And he seems to be the kind of guy that has enough intelligence about him to hire somebody to be along with him to teach him the things that he does not know. He's going to go by the same playbook that Aaron Boone did when he became the Yankees manager. Because people say, well, wait a minute, he's never managed anybody in his life. Why do you make him the manager of this team? He's done a pretty good job the past couple of years with that baseball team with the New York Yankees. And I believe Carlos Beltran has seen that. He's going to follow that same playbook and do the same thing. So I'd rather trust the guy that even though he has not been a manager, because I don't have to worry about he's going to be making dumb decisions or making curious decisions like we saw from Mickey Calloway the two years he was manager of the New York Mets. He may be a neophyte when it comes to being a manager, but he is a sound baseball man. He understands the game. He knows the game and knows the players. I think this is a really good hire by the New York Mets. I think will pay a lot better dividends than anybody could anticipate or anybody can believe is going to happen with Beltran being in charge. Freddie, remind people where they can find you on uh, social media. They can find me on Twitter at ColemanySVN and also on Instagram at Coleman Experience. Freddie, my friend, thanks for coming on. Hey, you want to do this again next month? 
Let's do it, man. Okay. Let's, do, let's make sure everybody has a great holiday and lead us to holiday season by being a part of this, my man. Thank you very much. You have a great Thanksgiving as well, and uh, I'll talk, catch up with you very soon. You too, Kenneth. Thanks so much, my man. All right, that's Freddie Coleman. Back to wrap up the Parting Shots podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify in just a moment. This is Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Once again, I'll be going head-to-head with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott with my weekly NFL picks and defending my championship. Go to dailygazette.com blogs and look for my picks on my Thinking It Through blog. You can find Ken's picks at dailygazette.com sports. Back to wrap up the podcast, and as Sarah said, look for her NFL picks along with mine at dailygazette.com. Oh, my collapse continues. I went 4-9 last week, while Sarah was 6-7. Sarah now has a two-game lead over me. She is 94-53-1. I am 92-55-1. Also, look for my blogs on NFL and college football TV coverage this week. You can find it at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. If you're a college hockey fan, look for my weekly ECAC hockey faceoff selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the faceoff selections by emailing your picks to me at shots, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Union hockey beat writer Mike McGann joins me on the next Parting Shots podcast that will be posted Friday. We'll look back at last weekend's games against Clarkson and St. Lawrence and look ahead to the Dutchman's games at Quinnipiac and Princeton this weekend. If you have questions about Union Hockey, Mike and I will happily answer them. Send your questions to shots at dailygazette.com. One correction to make, since the taping of my segment with Mike Kelly, the site and day of the state football Class D regional game between Warrensburg and Mariah was changed. It has been moved from 7 p.m. Friday at Beekman Town High School to 1 p.m. Saturday at Glens Falls High School. I'm taking next week off. I'll return with the Thursday edition of the podcast on Thanksgiving Day, November 28th. And that wraps up another edition of the Party Shots podcast. I'd like to thank my guests, Coach Jeff Behrman, linebacker George Reed, and wide receiver Griffin Beal of Union College Football, and Coach Ralph Isertia and quarterback George Marinopoulos of RPI Football, also Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly, and ESPN Radio's Freddie Coleman. The Party Shots podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Party Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shots at dailygazette.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you next time. From the Tony Schott Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.